0: My guest is Red Robinson, the man who introduced Elvis Presley.
1: Well, you were, how old were you, if I may ask? Uh, well, he was 22 and I was 19.
0: And there you were, the hottest things ever to hit Vancouver because you were just about, they used to mob, it uh, would be a mob scene if you ever went anywhere, too, is that That's
1: interesting because a lot of people. In the last generation, do not realize, and, and I think you do, that at one point disc jockeys were the local uh, celebrities, uh, as important as the record stars. You know, when the disc jockey was able to pick his own music and do his own thing, and that all changed. But. In those days, it's really something to look at pictures saying, why is this disc jockey standing there with 500 people signing autographs?
0: Oh, well, I yeah. understood it because you were a hero. There was no doubt about it. You were the only one in this That's city, right. for sure, playing rock and roll music. And it was it like a homing pigeon. You, know, you, <laughs> could find you were on WX, you? right? You were on WX, and you would tune that radio in. And you, would t- and you were so much different. The sound that from your radio station was so much different than everybody else's. That's that if right. you were 13 or 14, by God, you heard it. You got obviously chosen because of your contacts with the people that brought in Elvis to be able... You opened the show, didn't you?
1: Uh, yes, I emceed the opening of the show. Were you scared right, yeah. to death? Oh, look, could you imagine... No. By those, <laughs> by the standards in those days, all I could reflect on is what I'd seen in newsreels about Hitler at Munich. And that's the analysis, not political, but for the crowd, it was, it was frightening, you know, because no one had ever done in... Uh, in show business, uh, a, a stadium show like that, you got to remember. You Not
0: know? even Sinatra. Not, he was just in big theaters.
1: N- yeah, That's right. No one had ever done a stadium. And the reason they, they went to uh, the stadium here in Vancouver was they had no Pacific Coliseum at the time, which they have now. Nothing that like uh, Toronto uh, has with uh, the Maple Leaf Gardens. They didn't have a, a counterpart, so they went for the stadium. And as it was, they sold 26,000 tickets. No, that was the first time a, a single performer could command... That kind of an audience. It was an interesting era to be a part of, you know. No doubt. What did you wear? Do you remember? Yeah. I had on a station jacket, you know, with the call letters on it for CKW. What uh, color? Uh, red, which really went well with my hair, I want to tell you. Those are the days when they told people with red hair they couldn't wear red. Yeah, but you can. I'm sure you can. But, uh, no, I wore that, and I stood out there. I was just frightened. My knees were shaking, and, uh, and I brought on Elvis. And uh, What did you say? I said, uh, on behalf of uh, the largest uh, and oldest and biggest teenage show in Canada, ladies and gentlemen, would you join with me and welcome, and and the rest of it, they didn't hear, but I said, Elvis Presley, and he came running out of that corner where the Lions come up when they play a game, uh, got into a Cadillac and drove around the stadium and... I have tapes of this, and as, you, as he went around the stadium, you could hear the crowd as the mic picked up the roar, and then there was a little blank at the end there where it wasn't too crowded, and then the roar again around the side. That's The cacophony of sound was unbelievable, and that's where I came up with the analogy of, of Hitler and mm-hmm. Munich. There's nothing like it. It was unbelievable. As a matter of fact, when he got to the stage and stood there, he couldn't sing for all of six minutes because of the noise. They never let up. I mean, they couldn't believe he was standing there, I guess. I couldn't believe he was even in town.
0: I wasn't allowed to go, of course, because I was too young to go, but gee, I'm... You were in your
1: cradle at the time? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 1957, yes?
0: Did you like the man?
1: Yes. The Elvis Presley that Mr. Goldman wrote about Mm -hmm. in the latter years, third person. A questionable book. Yeah, yeah, and that's my opinion of it, too. However, I don't know the latter part of Elvis's life. Uh, the early part he was as uh, down to earth as anyone i'd ever met he wasn't as uh, illiterate and uh, uh, without humor and wit as a lot of people have indicated either on the vancouver press conference you can find some funny lines uh, when uh, reporters ask silly questions like what do you think of the crowd being hysterical over you and his quick comeback was i'd look pretty funny standing out there without anybody and you know i mean he wasn't without wit and humor i think they made him out to be kind of a a cartoon character but a lot of that probably was Colonel Tom Parker keeping him away from the press all the time, you know. He only sang a few numbers, didn't he, before he... Yeah, the crowd got out of hand. Actually, everybody was frightened beyond belief. Uh, Scotty Moore, uh, who was the guitarist that changed the sound of guitar music, and uh, Bill Black, the bass player, were frightened. The music stands were being tumbled over. People broke through barricades and got to the stage. That's why he pulled off.
0: How did they get him off?
1: Well, that was interesting and pre-planned. Not that they anticipated hysteria to this uh, level, but Colonel Parker worked out a deal where there was a little curtain uh, entrance to come up to the stage and to exit it. And Elvis walked into the curtain, took off this gold jacket he had on, which was heavy by the way, put it on his cousin Jean's back. Gene Jean ran out down the stairs and into the uh, Cadillac and the people who are now coming out of the stands. Uh, chased what they thought was Elvis and the Cadillac. Presley and I went through a trap door and waited under the stage. A trap door? That's exactly right. It was all set up. I had no idea, they didn't tell me. And then when the crowd had all, you know, uh, gone, we just quietly walked across the field back into the dressing room where we began.
0: And then what'd you do? Have a gin fizz? No.
1: no. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, then he was uh, taken in a uh, limousine back to the Georgia Hotel. I made a horrible mistake that night, too. I went on the air and did a salute to Elvis from 10 o'clock at night till 6 in the morning playing nothing but his records.
0: 10 and till 6?
1: Yeah. It was just a big salute. It was a big event. And uh, he called me from the hotel because I'd given him the private line, said thanks. It was fun meeting him and all of that. But I went on the air and gave his hotel room number the next day. And they went up there the old managers of the hotel, Bob Hudson, who's no longer there, but he's around town, will tell you they went up and tore the room to pieces. I can't believe it. I never would have connected it. You know, I just said, well, he was in room 1226 of the Georgia, which is a fact.
0: Thanks very much for coming in. Thanks for asking me. Fun to meet you at long last.